I was just noticing I have 583 followers on TikTok, um, one TikTok, Christopher Prez 2024, and um, if I get one more fucking, uh, um, violation, that shit's going down. So I'm just putting music and, um, like, not, I just made a mistake. Oh yeah, here he comes, pounding back home, podcast. Oh yeah, here he comes, pounding back home, podcast. Okay, so um, I just made this. It's an ad for the Tony Michaels podcast. Oh, yeah. Here he comes. Pounding back Trader Trump TV. Democrats, unapologetic Democrats, Democratic Coalition, Glenn Kirshner. So now I'm sending it to all these people on Instagram. Bernie Sanders, New Yorker Cartoons, Congressional Black Caucus, CNN Politics, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, on the Campaign Trail, Women's March, The Hill, Oversight Dems, Politico Max, Stephen Colbert, Women's ERA, Lay McGowan. Progressive Caucus, Post Opinions, Joaquin Jeffries, Arizona Daily Star, LA Time, Ben Marcellus, ASU Young Dems, Nicole Young, Comedy Central, Democratic Social, Young Democratic Socialists, Arizona Coalition for Change, CBS News, Variety, Democracy Now, Jane Fonda, Trevor Noah, Speaker Hakeem Jeffries, Culver mm, Late mm. Show, Comedy Central India, Black Lives Matter, John Mellencamp, Bob Dylan, Women's Law Project, Eddie Murphy, Washington Post, Progressives to Vote for the Democrats, Mice Jordy, New York Times, Opinion Arts, mm, End 
WPC California is good enough. That's what I want to do. Okay. Got new messages. Let's go there and visit Grant. Ooh. Oh, neat. Grand Canyon Mountains. Cool. What do you know? What do you know? Oh, shit. Hmm. Oh. Shit balls. Okay, so let's hear some fucking green slaps in the face. That's bloody nose, I saw slaps in the face. Um, Andrew Hudson. Damn good question, which one was that? Carlos the Rocker said that's a damn good question when I said I'm going to subscribe to you, man. I'm going to be your 50th subscriber, Carlos. The Rocker. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. Seven replies. Yes, agreed, because like you said, this is unprecedented. What's the holdup? That's a damn good question. Okay. The inside scoop, uh, scoop on looming Trump indictments with Michael Cohen. Okay. Thank you for that. to deal with bullies as customers you can't get top too big within a niche um personally disagree with the sentiment Um, some fucking whatever. Some videos. Yeah, what's the hold up? Subscriptions. 
So take the narcissist baits. Trump is death sentence. So just like totally Forbes is like totally behind them. Behind Trump, even though he was found guilty on 17 counts. So why aren't they revoking the world's richest person status retroactively? He fucking lied to them. So why are they standing by that? Makes them look like fucking idiots. Integrity. Where's your fucking integrity, assholes? Moonface test. What is the latest viral TikTok trend and how does it work? The independent. Uh, okay. Why not listen to this? Independent. The independent TV. TikTok users are trying to find their soulmates following a new trend with the phases of the moon. According to the trend, you should check if the person you like is your soulmate by comparing moon faces on the days you were both born. And both of the faces are able to slot together and create a full moon. For example, if two lovers had a half moon on their original birthdays, they could combine to make a full moon. <laughs> of course, there's no scientific backing to this new theory of soulmate compatibility. So do not get disheartened if the results are not to your liking. It's fucking stupid. Oh my god. That was fucking lame as shit. By the way, this is super fucking lame. Okay, Jack is crushing Trump. Are you listening to that? Max uh, Jackson response Trump streamed six days ago. DOP did not see this coming three days ago. Republican, okay. I'm yeah, Ben Micellis from speech. the Midas Touch Network. Republican I wanted to House show you what went backfire. down on the floor of the House of Representatives where this Democratic Party that has found its groove is just fighting for the American people the way I wish they always had in the past. Their messaging is on point. Their policies are on point, And the way they are calling out MAGA hypocrisy couldn't be better. Let's start off with this clip of Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, talking about how House Republicans lack an economic plan that is responsible. Play the clip. But we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the grand Republican plan. And here it is, the so-called RAIN Act. 
three pages. Three pages. What does it call for? Reports. Reports. Grand Republican economic plan. Why? Because you've been focused on the wrong things. Now, House Democrats, we're going to continue to invest in the American people. Invest in education and job training. Invest in transportation and infrastructure. Invest in research and development. Invest in technology and innovation. Invest in the creation and preservation of affordable housing. Invest in the health, the safety, the economic well-being of the American people. That's our plan. We're going to continue to put people over politics. And we get three pages. Calling for reports. The so-called Rain In Act. Here's what we should be reining in. We should be reining in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to cut Social Security. We should rein in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to cut Medicare. Rein in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to criminalize reproductive freedom and impose a nationwide ban. Rein in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to crash the United States economy and default on our debt for the first time in American history. We should be reining in your effort to hand over sensitive security footage from the yeah. January 6th yeah, violent insurrection to an you? avowed conspiracy theorist. That's what we should be reining in. That was so good. Now, watch this clip of Democratic Congress member Sean Kasten talk about how it seems like all the MAGA Republicans just pick losers all the time. <laughs> Play the clip. Let me dumb this down for you all. Ten years ago, if you shifted your investment portfolio away from fossil energy towards climate-friendly investments, you would be richer today. Now, my Republican colleagues, you all talk a good game about how you're into personal freedom, and yet you are taking individual investors' freedom away from them with this bill. You all talk a good game about how government should not be picking winners and losers. Why do you all keep picking losers? <laughs> 2011, a guy named Hugo Chavez. He redirected Venezuelan oil worker pensions into a Ponzi scheme running by a political ally. And now my Republican colleagues who a couple of year, weeks ago voted to oppose socialism in all its forms are thinking that Hugo Chavez guy seems pretty smart. Let's do the same thing. You know what you call capitalism when you're losing? Woke capitalism. So if you all are afraid of free markets, if you want to destroy workers' pensions, if you oppose individual freedom, if you want to force your constituents to invest in proven losers, then please vote for this resolution. Be honest about your values. For everyone else, vote no. I plan to do so proudly and honestly. Yield back. Speaking of losers, here is MAGA Republican Chip Roy just yelling and tilting at windmills. Here, play this clip. Drinking warm water before bed shrinks a swollen prostate overnight. Men are regaining control of their bladders every night as they sleep by adding one unusual ingredient to a glass of warm water before bed. If you're over 40 and struggling to urinate, then pay close attention because Harvard scientists recently discovered this frustrating condition does not actually have to be part of the normal aging pro. And what is this side of the aisle doing about it? Not a damned thing. What is this side of the aisle doing about open borders? Nothing. Nothing. 
What is this side of the aisle doing about an ATF rule about to make felons out of 10 million Americans or more? Nothing. What is this side of the aisle going to do about spending? Lip service. We have a debt ceiling approaching. We're running around like chickens with their heads cut off. We should say something right now. We should pass a bill off this floor saying that we will raise the debt ceiling, but only, only if you end the disastrous student loans that are going to cost $400 billion and drive up the cost of higher ed. Only if you rescind the $91 billion of unobligated COVID money. Only if you go rescind the $80 billion designed to increase the IRS to go after taxpayers. And really, the all-star of the Democratic Party, it's like watching LeBron James in his prime, but here on the House floor, Jamie Raskin just delivering some gems. <laughs> this is Jamie Raskin saying that, look, at the end of the day here, we got to deal with responsible policies, please, and a reporting requirement related to a handful of executives, executive orders every year. That's how the GOP wants to respond to inflation here. Play this clip. After two years of rooting for economic failure and blaming President Biden for everything, for post-COVID global inflation, for the instability caused by supply chain breakdowns and the uh, phenomenal failure of Donald Trump's mismanagement of the coronavirus pandemic. After all that, after all the whining and crying about inflation, Republicans finally have the chance to take center stage right now with their proposed solution to the problem of inflation. And the world's been waiting with bated breath. Would it be what Richard Nixon did, wage and price controls? Would it be what Herbert Hoover, that Republican, did, total laissez-faire? Whatever happens, happens. Well, the long wait is over. The GOP has now debuted their big plan for dealing with inflation in America with H.R. 347, something called the Rainian Act, which stands for the Reduce Exacerbated Inflation Negatively Impacting the Nation Act. It's a bill for a mandatory reporting requirement related to executive orders that might apply to two or three executive orders a year. You got that right. A reporting requirement related to a handful of executive orders every year is the GOP's response to inflation after barnstorming the entire country, claiming that they had some kind of solution. Now, you might think it's the most brilliant thing since the invention of Social Security, which they opposed, or Medicare, which they opposed, or you might think it's the dumbest thing since Donald Trump's last trillion dollar corporate tax giveaway, but either way, it will have zero effect on inflation or deflation in the United States of America. Nothing. It's not going to have any effect at all. Now, Here is Jamie Raskin again, <laughs> this time pointing out that Frankly, President Biden has created an economic miracle out of the chaos that was handed to him by Donald Trump. Play the clip. 2020, inflation has risen worldwide, exacerbated by supply chain delays caused by the pandemic, and then Vladimir Putin's filthy war of aggression in Ukraine, which some of our friends over there support. 
President Biden has created something like an economic miracle out of the chaos handed to him by Donald Trump. After signing his massive tax giveaway, Trump's failed state dysfunctional response to COVID plunged America into its most severe economic contraction since 1946. Someone dispute that. The unemployment rate rose to 14.8% under Donald Trump, the highest on record since the Bureau of Labor Statistics began collecting data in 1948. And in 2021, Biden and the Democrats got to work. We passed the American Rescue Plan, which fueled a strong, equitable economic recovery with historic reductions in unemployment, in poverty, and economic hardship. Real GDP increased by 5.7%. The unemployment rate decreased to 4%, surpassing all forecasts. Wages increased by 5%, with the highest increases going to lower economic uh, income earners. So democratic policies have allowed the U.S. to absorb the shock of rising inflation engulfing the globe since 2020. That's serious economic policy what President Biden and the Democrats are engaged in, and they have a silly have little us. symbolic messaging bill for a couple of notations they didn't even want to publish originally within the process of offering executive orders. Meantime, 30 seconds. Here we got a clip of AOC explaining that MAGA Republicans don't even know how to draft bills because the way they even drafted it uh, would not even allow it to be enforceable even if they tried. Play the clip. And I'll, I'll start my remarks today by saying how ironic it is that we spent and Republicans spent the entire first week of this session entangled in a fight in order for them to get the votes uh, to, to secure a Speaker of the House and the, the whole crux of that entanglement was, and part of it, was rules to maintain regular order in the House. Rules to maintain regular order. Because just as we go back to Schoolhouse Rock, you introduce a bill, it's supposed to go to committee, you get a markup on that committee, a hearing in that committee, a vote in that committee, and if that bill can survive a committee vote, it comes right here to the floor of this House. And we spent a whole week tied up in the beginning of this uh, in the beginning of this term trying to reassert that order and then today one of the first acts that we have from this oversight committee is to subvert that because perhaps they knew that this would not survive their own committee and so it goes straight to the floor for a vote subverting all of those arguments that republicans were making about restoring order to this house but let's get into the substance of this bill. Ironically, if they had gone into this order, if they had gone through regular order, they may have caught that this bill does nothing to rein in inflation, in part because in their haste to put it together, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle committed an incredibly basic drafting error that makes this bill completely unenforceable. Even if we agreed on their ends, the, the haste and the rush to put this together and skip committee has created a drafting error that doesn't even make this bill enforceable. 
We got another clip of Jamie Raskin explaining that the gentleman would like to somehow put in our court the burden of bureaucracy. Let's talk about the major bureaucracy that's being put in place in America today to violate the rights and freedom of women to make their own medical decisions. Play this clip of... Uh, Jamie Raskin responding to a MAGA uh -huh. Republican. Gentleman from Maryland, my friend from Maryland, talks about increased bureaucracy. The increased bureaucracy of informing the American people. My goodness. My goodness. I've never heard that from my friends on the other side of the aisle. Increased bureaucracy. I mean, all they do around here is inf infuse more government into our lives with every single thing they do talks about the medical situation and price fixing. He doesn't call it price fixing, but that's what it is. It's price fixing. Stood him. I think he was describing all of the lowering of prescription drug prices we've done. We're saving Americans across the country, millions of Americans, thousands of dollars in their Medicare prescription drug prices, and the gentleman just called that price fixing. I assume he's opposed to it. I'd be happy to yield if you want to correct me, but otherwise, I'm going to go back with the conclusion that you're opposed to all of the lowering of prescription drug prices that the Congress actually engaged in in the 117th Congress. And finally, uh, the, the gentleman would like to somehow put in our court the burden of bureaucracy. Well, let's talk about the major bureaucracy that's being put in place in America today to violate the rights and the freedom of women to make their own medical decisions as they try to criminalize that. And most of them, I don't know exactly where the gentleman is, perhaps he can clarify it, most of them support a national ban on abortion, taking what was a constitutional right for more than a half century and turning it into a felony criminal offense or misdemeanor criminal offense. You want to talk about bureaucracy? You want to talk about a police state? That's on you. You're back. Here is Jamie Raskin to Lauren Boebert. Remember, oh Lauren God. Boebert wants everybody to call the Republicans ultra MAGA. That's what she said. And this is Jamie Raskin explaining. I heard the very distinguished gentle lady from Colorado. The way he <laughs> says it is so good. I heard the very distinguished gentle lady from Colorado <laughs> mention job creators. So I assume she is talking about President Biden. Play the clip. Um, I want to just clear up a couple of things. First, I heard the very distinguished gentleman lady from Colorado mention job creators. I assume she was responding to President Biden since 12 million new jobs have been created under President Biden, whereas millions of jobs were lost under the prior president, um, who may be a favorite of the gentle ladies. I also wanted to... Again, another clip from Jamie Raskin. Again who is operating at an all-star, all-star level right now. He always does, but some incredible stuff to watch. We're all fortunate to be able to witness what's taking place right now. This is history in the making. This is Congressman Jamie Raskin saying that it doesn't seem like mega Republicans are talking about unemployment anymore. Play the clip. Since basically they're scraping the bottom to try to figure out something to say about inflation because the administration is actually bringing inflation down. Now, we notice they don't talk about unemployment, which used to be their mantra, jobs, jobs, jobs. But when Joe Biden came back and created 12 million new jobs after the last administration yeah, destroyed millions of jobs with their lethal recklessness no, in the mismanagement of the coronavirus pandemic, and Joe Biden turned it around in this administration, they stopped talking about it. But they did notice that there was global inflation going on because of the uh, disruption of the global supply chain and because of Vladimir Putin's filthy, Dude. imperialist invasion of 
uh, Ukraine, which some of their members actually are cheerleaders for, um, yeah, there was a real you. problem with inflation, and the administration has steadily been bringing it down, um, which is why it doesn't have quite the political salience it used to, but the world was waiting with bated breath to determine what would their actual plan be, and alas, their whole plan is a reporting requirement, nothing to do with Congress and Congress being able to do anything, but a reporting requirement for the president when he issues executive orders. I think the public is gravely disappointed by this complete collapse of any real commitment to the one issue they thought had they had organized their conference around. I reserve. Oh, and don't talk negative about Maryland, where Democratic Congress member Jamie Raskin is from. But he says, seriously, a MAGA Republican from Pennsylvania, you're talking bad about Maryland? Let me tell you a thing or two about Maryland play the clip. There's much left to say on uh, the substance of this amendment. Um, I did hear uh, my, my colleague from Pennsylvania make some sort of disparaging remark about Maryland and about how he didn't live in Maryland where apparently we don't understand the value of money. Well, uh, the land where we actually are standing today used to be part of Maryland. It was ceded by Maryland to Congress for the purposes of creating the District of Columbia. And when our capital came under attack, by violent insurrectionists and those who were chanting, hang Mike Pence, and who were determined to overthrow the 2020 presidential election, there were hundreds of police officers who came from Maryland to join the Metropolitan Police Department and the Capitol officers in defense of the capital of the United States. So I take umbrage at any insinuation that the people of Maryland need to take a backseat to anybody in terms of the defense of the principles of this country. So I would thank Mr. Perry for a correction about that, and uh, I'm happy to reserve the remainder of my time. Jeff, again, another clip here from Congressmember Jamie Raskin talking about how Y'all, mega Republicans, you raised the debt limit three times under Donald Trump and contributed under Donald Trump to 25% of all of the debt in the United States, from George Washington to President Joe Biden. And they did it, and now they dare come to talk to us about inflation? This is how Democrats push back on the disinformation. Play the clip. We created 12 million new jobs in America. How many million jobs do they want to erase over there in their desperate, sudden pursuit of inflation? You know, they raised the debt limit three times under Donald Trump. Now they talk about the debt limit all the time. They raised it three times and they contributed under Donald Trump 25% of all the debt in the United States from George Washington to Joe Biden. 25% of the debt under one president. Donald Trump. And they did that. And now they dare come talk to us about inflation. And the bill that they advance is one to have some people pass some more paperwork around. Come on, give me a break. Give us something better than the running on empty initiative with no new ideas at all. We recommend a no vote. What real economic action requires is precisely what President Biden is already doing. Oh, in this moment where Lauren Boebert tells everybody to refer to her and the Republicans as ultra MAGA, then watch what Hakeem Jeffries and Jamie Raskin say. Play the clip. Um, that was that was great. Um, you know, we are addressed as. MAGA extremists, extreme MAGA Republicans, and I would like to make um, just a clarification point. It's ultra MAGA. That's what we prefer. Yes. So and we get three pages calling for 
reports. The so-called rain in act. Here's what we should be reining in. We should be reining in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to cut Social Security. We should rein in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to cut Medicare. Rein in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to criminalize reproductive freedom and impose a nationwide ban. Rein in the extreme MAGA Republican effort to crash the United States economy and default on our debt for the first time in American history. We should be reining in your effort to hand over sensitive security footage from the January 6th violent insurrection to an avowed conspiracy theorist. That's what we should be reining in. And uh, yet the, the, the general lady from Colorado said, um, if I understood it correctly, that she would continue uh, with her deliberate mispronunciation of the name of our party in its adjectival form. And by the way, she took the opportunity to raise the whole question of MAGA, which I had not mentioned, and she said, and when you call me MAGA, don't call me MAGA, call me ultra-MAGA. So when the minority leader referred to the extreme MAGA element, which appears to be driving the train over there, he should have called it the ultra-MAGA element out of deference to the general lady from Colorado. And I certainly will be able to honor her wishes in the future as she chooses to be described as ultra-MAGA. And with that, I'll reserve. <laughs> and finally, here is Congress member Jamie Raskin saying, look, if you don't know how to say democratic, if you don't know how to say it, then I'll make it simple for you. Just call us democracy. Play the clip. You know, we started this series of amendments by talking about the fact that they have this self-imposed political speech impediment. They can't correctly pronounce the name of our party in its adjectival form. But, you know, I thought of a solution to this because I was reading a great book by H.W. Brand about Franklin D. Roosevelt called Traitor to His Class. And in the book, he's got a bunch of Roosevelt speeches. And you know what President Roosevelt called our party? Not the Democratic Party, much less the Democrat Party. If you can't pronounce it, do what Roosevelt did. He called us the democracy. The democracy. He said, the economic royalists, the corporate plutocrats, Say you invest in the wealthiest people in society, some of the wealth will trickle down on everybody else. But the democracy says you invest in the great working middle class of America, we will all rise and prosper together. That's the doctrine of the democracy. If you can't pronounce the name of our party, just call us the democracy. That's what we are today. Because we defend the right to vote. And we defend free and fair elections. And we stand by the results of elections. And we defend not only the country and our democratic allies all over the world, as in Ukraine, we defend this body. We defend this chamber. Shit, we defend the capital of the United States. Frozen. And we defend the interests of the working majority of Americans. So the American people are not asking for more reports and more bureaucracy. They're asking for action. And that's what the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress are giving them. And that, folks, is how you do it. The 118th Congress, we are seeing Democrats, the Democratic Party, representing decency, compassion, intelligence, and actually focusing on the issues.
And you know, more so than ever in history, the contrast couldn't be more clear, right? The contrast between what the Democratic Party is saying and what the MAGA Republicans are saying couldn't be more clear. And frankly, it's, it's an honor to watch this play out. It really is. And American people need to focus on these videos. They need to focus on what's going on here. It's vital. That's why we'll keep on showing it here on the Midas Touch Network. I'm Ben Micellis. Make sure you hit subscribe. We're marching to 1 million subscribers in the month of March. March to 1 million with us. Hit subscribe. Also, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast on audio. Wherever you get your audio, just search Midas Touch podcast. Search it right now. Check it out. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Until next time. The best part of waking up? Maggot Sears in my cup. Check out the new Maggot Sears mug available now at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. It's 100% union made right here in the USA. I know I'm not tired of winning yet. How about you? Get yours today. Right on. Good job, guys. What if I told you there was a way to maintain crystal clear vision well into your golden years right. and beyond? Turns out there is, and it's called the 2020 Special Counsel Jack Smith compelled Trump and Megan complete free fall and it's glorious. This was one month ago. Shit. Oh man. Wick, wick, wick. Um, waiting, notify me. Trump post most vile and desperate post yet two hours ago. He's terrified. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump went on his social media platform and again started posting some of the most unhinged and deranged stuff that is disqualifying everywhere other than the MAGA Republican Party. I mean, he's just reposting QAnon stuff and end of days stuff, end of world stuff. I mean, this is some real deranged stuff that he's posting here. I'll show you. This is what he reposted. He reposted from a QAnon follower a quote uh, for uh, General George Patton, um, but then the individual put a photo of George Patton and then put a bunch of things that are not attributed to George Patton and then put Q for QAnon and the George Patton quote, an army fights as a team, it lives, eats, sleeps, fights as a team, Patton. There's then a photo of George Patton uh, behind uh, an American flag. I think this is from the movie Patton, not actually George uh, Patton. Um, if you want to know what the actual quote from George Patton was, though, and not what was on the movie, George Patton said, an army is a team, it lives, sleeps, eats, and fights as a team. This individual heroic stuff is pure horse shit. Uh, General George Patton uh, fought valiantly against the Nazis, against Hitler, against Mussolini, led the American campaign in uh, Sicily and elsewhere, and uh, was someone is someone who would be horrified by Donald Trump's sympathy uh, and uh, support of Nazi sympathizers. Just utterly disgusting. But here it is. I mean, you see it right there on the bottom of this. It's a, a photograph of uh, an American general with a Q for QAnon. I mean, it is completely, completely despicable stuff. 
here is another repost. Let me give you the full context. So one of the cult followers on uh, Donald Trump's social media platform had the reaction that Donald Trump's speech at CPAC was horrible and it was an empty crowd and um, and Donald Trump had no energy. So uh, this individual writes, I'm trying to convince myself tonight was for optics purpose for Trump to create more separation from what's coming down the pike. There was no passion behind his words tonight. There was nothing there. And then this other cult follower named at E-N-T-H-E-O-S um, replies to that. And you can see it's a reply to uh, TG Realtor, the person who wrote that. And then just writes this like uh, really uh, horrifying message that Donald Trump says thank you to. And this is what the person writes. It's fatalism. He knows this is the end game. Like our founders felt signing their names. No turning back now for him. Constant threats from all directions. Mm. We'll never know the full extent, but close your eyes and step into his shoes for a moment. Mm. He feels the burden of the American people on his shoulders. This is why he needs God. This is why we need God. This is why our founding fathers needed God. Gather your family Mm. together. Pray that our Lord gives Donald Trump strength and wisdom. And Donald Trump reposts that and writes, thank you. He writes, thank you. Um, here Donald Trump posts, CPAC was packed for my speech. You couldn't get into the building. A special thanks to the area fire department for making it work so well. Great job. I mean, we have photographs of this. The, the room was empty. Here, they, and by the way, they had to try to bribe people with golden chocolate candy bars, kid you not, to go and see this Donald Trump speech. This is Don Jr. telling the crowd in the previous speech that if you look under your chair and you find a golden chocolate candy bar, you now get a ticket for free to see Donald Trump's speech. Here, play this clip. Uh, Check under your seats. If there happens to be a gold chocolate bar underneath there, that's a VIP. Oh, I'm not joking. That's a VIP ticket to my father's reception tomorrow at CPAC. Because your president, President Donald Trump, will be here. He's not out raising money uh, from the billionaire Chinese sympathists. Like others, you know, Matt, they're going to do that. Well, others didn't show. I was like, yeah, they're raising money from the people who don't necessarily believe in America first, but because they need their money. So who's got gold bars? There's one. You're lucky man, sir. Any more? They may do some more. Look at that. Another one there. Well, I think you guys will have an awesome time. Yep. There's people gaming the system. What are you, Democrats? You're trying to get under other seats? They're they're ballot harvesting, Matt. By the way, my political speech for the day, if we don't start doing the same thing the Democrats do, none of it matters. And again, you see this photograph right here. Donald Trump spoke to a very, very, very small crowd. I mean, you see all the seats in the back that are completely empty. I mean, it's just straight up lies and lies and frankly, very, very, very weird lies that he posts over and over and over again, mixed with very dangerous lies and mixed with these posts of QAnon, which is 
uh, a death cult. And in between writing that, he, uh, of course, is attacking Ron DeSantis. He goes, Ron DeSantis voted three times to cut and destroy Social Security and increase the age requirement to at least 70. Likewise, he voted to radically cut Medicare. He is a disciple of Rhino Paul Ryan. What do you expect? During Donald Trump's speech at CPAC, he called Republicans who he does not consider to be MAGA Republicans. He called them freaks, and he specifically <laughs> called out Paul Ryan and Karl Rove. I mean, look, I'm not going to get in the way of a MAGA Republican civil war here. I'm just pointing out how odd it is. And by the way, all of these posts that I'm talking about, Donald Trump has made first thing in the morning. He wakes up and just starts posting these things first thing on a uh, Monday morning to uh, start the weekend. Of course, he's got to go after uh, the prosecutor here. He's got to go after Alvin Bragg, who he's terrified of. He goes, Alvin Bragg, the racist district attorney in Manhattan, one of the worst murder and violent crime areas in the United States, and nothing is being done to change that, is only getting worse, is harassing and tormenting my 75-year-old employee, who they have thrown in jail trying to force him to say something bad, lie about me. He pled guilty when, he plead guilty, he wrote, when given the choice of 90 days or 10 years in life in jail for both, never prosecuted before in U.S. These are political, then he writes, thugs rigging election. The only thug here is you. Donald Trump, yep. you are a despicable thug, and then you go, and by the way, it's all projection when you say the racist district attorney, I mean, you are uh, the racist, and then you go, oh, he's tormenting my employee. He's tormenting your employee. A jury in New York found the Trump organization guilty on 17 felony counts of engaging in tax-related fraud. Seems actually like your employee made a smart decision by pleading guilty and going to jail at Rikers Island for uh, a few months Only versus what months. his sentence would otherwise have been because that jury is ready to convict or was ready to convict. That jury is um, ready um, to convict Trump you. They said they were ready to convict you. They said that the one thing that they wanted was oh, you to be there and for you to be held accountable, actually, among other things. And Look, the uh, district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is actually doing, uh, for, for all of the criticism that's come his way, and rightfully so, he's got a grand jury impaneled right now in New York. Um, I host the podcast Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen has uh, told us that he feels very positive about Alvin Bragg's team, and Cohen was a big critic of Alvin Bragg, which is something that I find to be very persuasive. We know about five individuals there before the grand jury. This isn't like a special grand jury that was in Georgia. This is an actual grand jury that could be ready to criminally indict any moment. We know that Kellyanne Conway went before that criminal grand jury last week. We know that Michael Cohen is going to be going before that criminal grand jury sometime soon. And we know that Donald Trump is terrified. It's a pretty open-shut, slam-dunk case of Donald Trump paying hush money to uh, Stormy Daniels via Michael Cohen um, and uh, sentence up to four years. It's a case that could be tried relatively quickly. It's on a narrow and discreet issue, and it would actually put Donald Trump behind yeah. bars, <laughs> which I think is something that we all want. Yeah. This is probably also why Donald Trump is uh, invoking, uh, using this language of doomsday and Q 
QAnon, and, and that, that's all he's got. That's all he's got. He certainly doesn't really have that much support anymore. I mean, sure, the dwindling MAGA Republican base that exists, which, as we've always discussed, is a dying movement. It's losing more and more and more people um, as they wake up to the con that's existed. But we'll keep you posted here on the Midas Touch Network. Just obviously, we got to share the truth over and over and over again about what's going on. I know the media wants to ignore this stuff. We cover it because we can't cover our eyes and and cover our ears. You know, we can't be blind to the fact that this fascism is real. And if we don't uh, give it the transparency that it deserves, if we don't call it out each and every day, that's how fascist movements are able to take hold. That's how we got Trump in 2016. It was normalized. We're not going to normalize it here on the Midas Touch Network. Hey, do me a favor, hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1 million subscribers here. We are marching to 1 million subscribers in the month of March, so please hit the subscribe button. Also, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. Um, check us out there, and wherever you get your audio podcast, just uh, search for the Midas Touch podcast. I think you'll enjoy it. Until next time, I'm Ben Mycellus from the Midas Touch Network. The best part of waking up? Maggoteers in my cup. Check out the new Maggoteers mug available now at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. It's 100% union made right here in the USA. I know I'm not tired of winning yet. How about you? Get yours today. That is what all the stories, the right-wing stories, are about. It's an invasion on our borders. It's an invasion on our lifestyle. It's an invasion on our religion. And the invasion is in our sense of reality. And that's why the lies don't matter. That's why they're okay with George Santos and, and Donald Trump and all the rest of them that lie through their teeth. Welcome to the Politics Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is a candid conversation with Oscar-nominated filmmaker Matthew Cook. And you might think, well, what does an Oscar-nominated filmmaker have to do with politics, babe? And I'd say, well, you don't know what kind of films he makes. Along with producing and editing Deliver Us from Evil, the award-winning expose on the sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church, he directed How to Make Money Selling Drugs with Eminem and Susan Sarandon, and The Survivor's Guide to Prison, which are both advocacy pieces on reforming our criminal justice system. Matthew created some of the most watched videos of the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign, including Bernie's biopic with Mark Ruffalo. And he's been a formative part of the political social media culture since he released How to Survive a Crazy Cop and Race Spading 101, both videos that went viral, reaching over 35 million views. You probably know him best from his wake-up call to Republicans or his other short pieces that now have hundreds of millions of views advocating for human rights, shared values, and a better understanding of the world around us. Matthew's films have been featured in festivals like Sundance, Tribeca, and Toronto, but I'm having him on today to talk about his new project, a podcast called American Origin Stories that covers the narratives that shape our collective reality of our country. So many of us don't even know our true history, and with education and critical thought under increasingly hostile attack, these lessons into our past, our real past, couldn't come at a better time. This podcast, just like the country itself, is at once fascinating and heartbreaking and inspiring. Plus, Matthew just knows how to tell a good story. 
He's the teacher we all wish we had. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, documentary filmmaker, writer, and social media superstar storyteller, Matthew Cook. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. I know we've never met, but I feel like we have a real kinship, right? I mean, along with your obvious passion for political commentary and your sort of drive to connect with people and inform people about their country, um, which is obviously something we both do, you also got self-proclaimed cabin fever during the pandemic, and you created a project with your wife. And I also went a bit stir-crazy during the pandemic, and I started this project with my husband. So despite his real job, he's still stuck with me doing this. <laughs> so we're either sadists or we really like our spouses. Yes. Before we get started talking about your other projects, I want to talk a little bit about White Mirror, which is a comedy series and commentary about life in America that you did with your wife, which turns out is incredibly amazing. So before we get too deeply into politics, talk to me a little bit about White Mirror, which I'm assuming the title is a little takeoff on Black Mirror. It is. It's, a, it's supposed <laughs> to make make fun of Black Mirror and also white people, which my wife and I uh, happen to be. Black what happened was COVID. We were stuck in the house and with each other and going totally nuts like everybody was. And the jokes to compensate for our terror got weirder and weirder. <laughs> and we finally thought, you know what would be really fun is let's just turn these into skits and, and start filming them. And we did, and we had so much fun. And then, of mm -hmm. course, because one must post everything online, and mm -hmm. it turned out that a lot of us in this world are as weird as we are. And so we all have had a collective laugh together. My wife is April Bowlby. She's known for being Alaska woman on HBO's Doom Patrol and being candy on Two and a Half Men and a ton of other funny roles. And her comedic timing on and off camera is brilliant. So it's impossible to not want to work with her on stuff. And we just had a baby six months ago and oh. so that is a comedy routine good luck so we'll see yeah. um, more exactly. white mirror episodes in about uh, seven years that'll be great exactly. yeah, before we get off this I have to tell you I, like, I'm obsessed with that one note and people need to go and watch White Mirror. Go to Matthew's website and watch One Mirror. But you have one called One Note, oh which God, is yes. one of the shorts in White Mirror. And it's basically a TED Talk on the meaningless of the universe and the human existence and the complexity of life and how yeah. shallow we've all become. But it's set in the context of like an introspective, narcissistic rock star trying to write a song that has meaning, but will also sell. And there's literally a line after the producer, who's played by your wife, April, says, she's like, you got to dumb it down. And you say... If we dumb it down any further, we may as well microwave ourselves for dinner and be done with it because we're down to three notes. And she's like, less notes, which is why the, the piece is called One Note. And I just, I have to tell you this piece, because I mean, it, it's a comedy short. It's fun, right? But you're asking really serious questions like, what if it's not about deliberately simplifying ourselves, you know, so that we're at the education level of a bug so we can sell bug food to the largest amount of insects. And I was like, dude, you put this in a comedy short? Like, this is brilliant. And I, I love your work because you have a way of just really relating to us, whether it's your podcast or your shorts, you have a way of bringing these kind of giant issues. You're almost like a modern day philosopher, but into a way that we can really absorb it. So I want to thank you for the work you did. It's oh my really God. great. I appreciate that so much. That's one note is truly one of 
the the pieces that I'm most proud of. You should be. <laughs> it's, it was one of those things where I think we have these these dreams in life that we give ourselves in whatever fields that we operate in, whether it's the arts or academics or anything really. And we go, God, wouldn't it be cool if, and I think I just set out a few of them of like, wouldn't it be great to make a musical about the artistic process that tries to grapple with commercialism versus humanity. And I enjoy comedy the most as a performer when I'm making fun of myself. So I think that's that's the most comfortable space to be in because then we can all, yeah, kind of laugh at our own foibles and it helps us kind of see maybe areas where we could do a little bit more work. And it's nice to have someone like you laugh at yourself. For those of you who are just listening to this as a podcast, Matthew's got kind of this old school Hollywood good looks happening. You know, he's got the tall white man, you know, perfection thing happening. So it's important that people who look like you laugh at themselves because, you know, you've gotten the best deal in this country all the way along. And I think it's really important that we have voices like you calling things out because I think that we know that we're the ones that are going to have to change things. Those of us who have come from the background of screwing it up so badly. You know, a lot of this responsibility is on us. I appreciate you saying that we need to be out there as voices and modeling how to talk about things because I think it can be really uncomfortable. It's such a huge topic to talk about whiteness. I think it's it's a modern invention in the way that we understand it, particularly in the United States. It's something that comes about around 1619 in the laws of Jamestown, Virginia, when the British slaver governors changed the laws because they're worried about a united working class rebelling against them. And so at that point, they begin this process of calling black slaves slaves because they are subhuman and beginning this this racial slavery that's particularly unique a part of the transatlantic slave trade, which is the largest maritime migration in human history. And this slave trade that that defines the character of the United States in a way is in a in a in a way and in ways that we have not come to terms with and faced at all because it's so difficult because this idea of whiteness has been constructed as a caste, a, a class and a culture ow, that ow. that so many of us aren't even aware of of this idea but it's a it's a cartoonish mythology that pretends that it has roots not just extending back to ancient greece and plato and aristotle but all the way back to jesus christ and it's totally made up and it it's uh and it's disorienting when it's challenged for people who've based their identity which i sympathize with on this idea that that you're part of a tradition that you think is divinely prescribed. And when you challenge somebody's identity, if their identity is based on a fiction, they'll defend that fiction as if their life depended on it. And so what, what we all need to do as people, and certainly you and I, I think, need to do as white people who are electing to be willing to talk about something 
uh, publicly um, and all that that brings with it is just to try to, as best we can, not that we're better or worse than anyone else, but we're willing to do it and encouraging other people to be willing to do it is just model it for each other. That in today's culture, white people need better white role models. And those white role models do exist in history. And we don't need to always just be ashamed when we find out that George Washington did tell a lie and was a, a murderous barbarian and did have the teeth of other human beings in his mouth and all kinds of other things about him that we'd be horrified to hear. We can also actually find out about some other amazing 